Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Welcome to the Marketing Money Podcast. We're back again with another edition of the Money Marketing Podcast. Yep. You here? I'm I'm present and accounted for. Good. Audit has signed off in triplicate. Has compliance signed off? Oh, still waiting on compliance. Well, then we should we just end it here? I'm present and accounted for, but I'm not... Um, compliant. I'm not compliant. That's all But right. I am full of complaints. You're full of a lot of things. And... Complaints. Yes. So, you know, we usually lead off with some little attempt at witty banter. Banter. About witty. Witty banter. Witty. Witty. You, you get that. You get that Whit. H in there. Witty banter. You know, witty. Cool. Whip. Witty. Whip. Cool. Whip. 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 Uh, witty banter. But uh, the world is is not so witty these days. But it's, uh, I think, looking at a a uh, huge course correction and. Part of this is as commentating on the world as we do in here. You know, the beginning of the year, we were just coming off an impeachment of our president, which, you know, kind of moved out to what it is. You're going we, in. No, I'm going in for right, I'm right commentating off. on what happened. Okay. There was an impeachment of the president. Okay. It moved into COVID. Those were the big issues. We can mm-hmm. we could go into Kobe and all this other small things that but, happened. But unsettling. The, the, yes. Yeah, so you go into that. You go into COVID, which... You know, craters the economy. Uh, Hundred thousand people have passed away, and, and it's not, is cratering it's, the and, economy. and it's not over with by yeah. any means. But states seem to be trying to grapple with the acceptance of what it is and move back. And then, right when we're getting into Memorial Day, uh, civil unrest happens because of a, a police brutality issue. I guess what we want to call it a race issue. I don't know what we want in Minnesota. It, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, and so things are a little uncomfortable to say the least. And for many people. Yeah, but I echo, I, I believe it um, was George Floyd's wife and his daughter that, you know, I mean, I think she said daddy's going to change the world. I mean, there's, for something so, you know, evil and uncomprehendable to happen, um, incomprehensible, um, hopefully there's some good that comes out of it. And I, I don't think we would be good actors um, for any kind of platform if we didn't have at least some sort of discussion around this. I, I think I would, you know, not to be the standard person, but if, if if no one's less prepared than John and me to have this discussion, um, it doesn't exist. They don't exist. They don't exist. So um, maybe we should stop there. But um, I, I do think it is any platform we should have a discussion around this. It, it would be. I believe just ridiculous and um, let's talk about email. Let's talk about yeah, direct you, mail. There's like, nothing. You gotta there's nothing. It. More, You've got to address it. There's nothing more important to talk about right now. I'm really glad um, to be joined uh, by Chikukureke on John's. <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to the people. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Good, good. And so, if you're an ABA listener, which is where this will will be posted. You're probably very familiar with Chikukur AK already because he is hosting. You can't miss him. You can't miss him because he's uh, <laughs> seven feet tall 
He dunks on people all the time, figuratively and literally. But um, he uh, he has hosted many a podcast for ABA at their conference videos. videos. He's written some columns, uh, so and he's also on the Bank Marketing School board. Is that correct? That's correct. You don't get much more active than Chikukare is, or AK. He get, he goes by either one. One's easier to spell, and one's, I think, fun to say. Chikukare is kind of <laughs> fun to say, so we'll go with your first name on this one. And he also, big surprise, works with me at Renaissance. It made you a little little easier to get him on the show today. Uh, but all the all the uh, the fun intro aside, Chikukre wanted to have you on it because you obviously carry a, a different perspective and everyone has a different lens. And I think part of this whole deal was the ability to listen and try to understand from a different lens. So I know that's setting you up and we're not trying to be uncomfortable by any means on this call but uh, or on this podcast. But like, I guess set us in there on kind of your worldview from a and from a marketing perspective. This isn't a political podcast or a, a, an activist podcast, but kind of set us off on maybe some thoughts, and then and then we'll kind of you know we'll go back and forth on where we are with marketing and what you see in it because uh, you know you're a valuable member of the Renaissance team, and I value your relation our relationship as as humans first of all, but secondly as as uh, we were as we friends together. First. Yeah, we were friends first. So uh, <laughs> New Orleans, did we meet in New Orleans? Is that where we were? Because we, we were both did. there. We did. Yeah. So let the ignorance shut up on our end, and let, let's hear from you. Get, kind of just fill us in on your thoughts and what you think is going on in the marketplace. And and I say marketplace from your perspective is what I mean to say, not the marketplaces in marketing. So Yeah, I think it's uh, we're living through a very interesting time, of course, with COVID and now with the, the civil unrest. But from a marketing perspective, what, what this brought me back to was um, the Pepsi ad that they did with Kylie Jenner, which is in its generic enough form, it could have actually been played you know, last week. <laughs> as yeah. companies, you know, have tried to capitalize off the situation and show that they're, you know, pro Black Lives Matter, pro equality, things of that nature, without actually investing themselves in a change and making a cause. But I believe what this has sparked, and the the question that's now rising up from so many marginalized voices is, you know, where's my representation? Where are the people that look like me, sound like me, grew up like me, in terms of creating these businesses, these products, and these marketing campaigns? So where are the people that look like me? at when they're not in these boardrooms making these decisions and how do we go about changing that fact of making sure that you know what we're doing in our marketing what we're doing in our market looks like the people that live in it and so that's a good point i I think i saw on um a post on facebook or linkedin or something someone at one of the protests had a sign up that said this ain't no pepsi ad Someone actually had a sign up that said that, and I recall it because you brought it up. Let's let's delve into what you said. I, I don't know that there's many marketers that listen to this call that can change the boardroom of their bank. I know I can't, and and I say that with all respect to our board. I love our board; they're good people and stuff. But but you know there is an awareness now, and, and there was before I think, but now it's like as you eloquently said, it's it's risen up to, uh, and it's bubbled up to be a great awareness. Go down to the marketing staff. Is it intentionality? Is it, uh, you know, getting out of there? Is it looking at different colleges? Is it how would you shift recruiting? And then how would you be more intentional? And I'm I'm looking for your thoughts on this, not mine. I'm just trying to lead you with some some uh, open-ended questions here. I think it does come down a lot to intentionality and understanding that, you know, if you're looking around a, a room full of people that look like you, whether that be in race, gender, upbringing you know, you're not going to represent fully the whole market you hope to serve. And I mean, growing up, I went to Little Rock Central High, which if you guys know stuff about, you know, uh, civil unrest, you know, it's kind of where they desegregated schools in, in Arkansas back in the 1950s. And so getting that, that experience of seeing where the split happens, 
knowing that it's more than just bringing two groups together forcefully, but it's about bringing people together that want to work towards a change. So that intent of not just making sure I hit a diversity quota, make sure I have you know one black person in the C-suite, C-suite one woman that's uh, on the board. You know, you want to have people that are actively moving towards making something for everyone. Well, and you know, obviously, we're seeing you know a focus on let's just call it in one with George. George Floyd's case, an, an acute, evil, insidious act, one that no one could disagree was an issue. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, was, was th- there's no debate around it. There's no, but what happened or whatever. The, the whole situation was clearly photographed. But then there's this passive evil, passive whatever, the, you know, this, the fact that the, the light is shone on um, systemic and systematic racism. And, and again, that centers to me around representation and this flow of, of the push-pull of it that I don't know that a lot of people understand is you're not only a young black man, but as you say, a young black Southerner. There are layers and layers and layers of these things. That, but but looking at a, a marketing job, when you went into marketing, I mean, there's a guy I talked to here. He's like, he's like yeah, 12-year-old me would have never said um, <laughs> Bank marketing. That, that, that marketing is what I would have gone into. My friends would have laughed at me. But I don't know how much you want to speak to that. But, but again, the, I know you've said the importance of seeing someone there, but I need the candidates. Mm-hmm. And to have the candidates, I have to have the faces, the representation, the it has to be diverse for that to, to flow. So I guess, is there any way to speak to how long, <laughs> I'm speaking like there's not just a whole host of people out there looking for jobs right now. In bank marketing. <laughs> in marketing or any, in, well, in, in, in any yeah. case. I mean, we're, whether you be a compliance officer or an attorney or, you know, but, but we're a mark, it's marketing money podcast. Was that ever a thing? I mean, did you going into marketing is was there ever like that? That's not what you know. Was there ever any feeling back to you for that, or was you, or were you encouraged? And did you? I mean, I know you're. I'm asking you this, and I know you, so I know you're a mm-hmm. a, a strong-willed, focused person. So maybe not as appropriate for you, but um, did you ever butt up against any of that? Or I think the interesting thing is, um, in some communities, like the community that I grew up in, like even me being in a position like this. It's successful, but it's not the success you're, you're taught. You know, a lot of it yeah. was most of the kids I grew up with. It was basketball, rapping, acting, you know, or celebrity hairdresser or something like that. Like, so a lot of the nature was these weren't even careers we could consider because we didn't see people who looked like us in those roles. And the so, only place you, you know, saw success was basketball court, football field. Again, hairdresser fits in there like – the most exactly. successful person you know is the guy that, or the or the woman that cuts your hair. Exactly, and and so and for me, that's I've all you're about, seeing. Yeah, Can, go ahead. And for me, at thirteen, I, I've always wanted. To, I've I've said this. I've always wanted to own an ad agency like that. Some big thing at thirteen, it didn't matter. But I didn't have it. Well, I don't see anybody that looks like me now. There, there aren't many rednecks. Um, <laughs> In my position, either, but that's a whole different thing. But I didn't have, I didn't face the same. But to Shakukare's point, you talk about basketball. I mean, you're what six ten, six eleven. I mean, you're a tall guy, and so basketball was probably almost expected of you. And then when mm-hmm. you become a business professional, and and uh, just because I know him, he had very good grades and scholarship guy, and you were scholarship for academics, not necessarily athletics. Is that correct? It's like I had both. Both. So see, it's like. I, there's not a lot of chikukarees out there. How do we find more? I guess it would be my question. I think a lot of it goes in um, telling that story in, in different communities and uh, getting a different recruiting pool. Even my, my first bank marketing job, they didn't necessarily come looking for me. Uh, I just thankfully had a mentor who put me in a position to where 
they gave me an internship. And I was, for my first role at a bank, I was the first and only African-American that worked at that bank. One of the questions they asked me, which I don't think they were being offensive when they did it, but they were asking if I would be comfortable there. And not necessarily comfortable in the role or comfortable in doing the work, but comfortable as a person, which is still kind of amazing, you know, in a, you know, 2010, 2015, 2020 time time period. Yeah. And to clarify, we did not have that type of conversation when you and I were talking about working here. (laughs) But I mean, it it is a real thing. I mean, there was um, there's a statement, you know, that that I've heard over and over. And again, maybe it's being in in the South and being in, you know, I grew up in a you know, basically a 50-50 school, is the last places you'll see, you know, sort of that that mixed, and, and, and we've sort of defeated this, is the barbershop and the church. Like, there's still places where they're, whatever you want to call it, cultural holdouts, whatever, you know. Um, but they're still, like you said, in the 2010s, even in 2020. And I, I guess what I look at as, as, from my perspective, is whether, you know, and we're talking about marketing, but on the boardroom that their conversations – that are so real is the word I want to use. Like it's not lip service right now. It's mm-hmm. like emergency. Like we've got to fix this. Probably pendulum will swing, swing the wrong, not the wrong way, but maybe too fast. You'll take mm-hmm. five or six people and put some people that haven't been in those roles maybe. And so people need to consider training and things like that. There'll be people that will make, um, pace is tough. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. we've got a lot, we've got 400 and, one years to make up for right now to, to a degree. And some people will try to do that in four minutes. Exactly. Which again, I can't argue with, but having those real pointed conversations is no, no, no. We have to have this now. Those are the conversations I'm hearing. I don't mind a little, a little rough pendulum swing to get, you know, to, to hopefully um, course correct possibly. Exactly. I, I agree with that. As you said, four years of, but what I'd like to get your opinion on is, is, I guess from your lens, you kind of hint on, I guess it's being intentional from the hire, but from the hirees, you know, we're not hiring right now because economy, budgets and all that stuff. But I mean, say that six months from now, it opens back up and you and I talk and, and you know, the people I report to, we report to come down and say, you know what? We need three more marketers. We go to conferences together and you and I have traveled together things. I mean, there's not, I'll say it again, there's not a lot of chikukares out there. So how do we find the next Chikukare or Ashley Gambrell that works with us? And I can name others, uh, Stacy Crowley and Tracy Marin Adams. Like, how do we find more of those folks? Because I think that's where a lot of bankers struggle is they feel like they're hungry now and hungrier than ever. And they're trying to figure out how to be intentional because we've got to be intentional. It's not just going to walk in the door. So maybe it's reaching out to schools. Maybe it's looking for folks like you to help us network. Give us a little of your insight on this. I think some of my good thoughts would, of course, are just changing up the, the recruiting pool and, and the tools of how you get candidates. Because systematically, most of these jobs, you know, are, are filled word of mouth. And so if you're not really associating with a pool of people that are very diverse or that go to schools that were diverse, you're going to get a pool that looks very much like the person you asked to give you some candidates. And, and that means maybe going to HBCUs. Maybe that means doing some job fairs and showing how, hey, this marketing role ties in well with Another, like, you know, Ashley came from that media background, which I, I think you go find a lot more candidates that are in media that could be doing marketing type roles, but they don't think they're the same thing. They're like, oh, well, that's different at a bank. Um, so maybe that comes to humanizing some of the, these job roles and explaining it to people, doing some education of even though this is what this sounds like, this is what it can look like. And this is who could be successful in this versus just like, hey, let me show you a video of 
Becky and, and Derek who've done this for 20 years and you're like you don't see you don't see yourself represented you don't see yourself possibly being in that seat when we first met in New Orleans, I felt like it was, it was very organic. Like, we hit it off really well. And that's why I'm saying there's not a lot of chikukres out there because you have the the resume and heft to back it up. It's not just you look a certain way, like, overly qualified. For, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So it's I am I think that's where a lot of the struggle is when you talk about the lens of, of the hiree. And, and I've often said a lot of people are talking about lip service and corporate statements. There's no action better than you're hired. I think the words "you're hired" is probably the best action we can take, and uh, and you know this this isn't blowing smoke on this. Uh, maybe say see, we do we we try and 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 do that, and I've I've looked to you to help me with that, and but that's why I want to get your opinion on it, and I love looking at a different talent pool, looking at different ways of networking, uh, thinking outside of basically your social circles because we tend to to box ourselves in. I, I think it's it's human nature, uh, but to that point. Uh, talk about being intentional. Uh, I guess let's talk about more marketing. What do you see where we can change our marketing to reach different markets that may be hungry? Uh, you know, and sometimes I think we we undersell it. It's financial literacy. It may not be mm-hmm. financial literacy. It may mm-hmm. just be awareness, or it may be uh, being more intentional. So uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. It kind of touches back on an article I wrote years ago for the ABA, but how important messaging is in terms of the words you use and knowing that the message is impacted not just by the words, but by the person who gives the message. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we have the wrong person delivering the right messages in in certain marketing things. Um, So being intentional about maybe switching up the audience, switching up the voice, switching up the the medium in which certain things are developed and presented will be helpful in in reaching a different audience, Um, understanding how language plays into it. Sometimes, you know, it's easy as bankers and bank marketers to get into some bank speak that kind of, not only deters you know people of color and minorities, but it deters lots of people. And, um, but I think it does more so to the to that <laughs> to that crowd um, because they're like, I don't understand you know all the the things with this HELOC and the mortgage and the the kickers and the oh what an arm on this loan looks like. So I'm just gonna I'm just out. You know I'm not I'm gonna keep renting. And you see the system just continue to build because then they don't teach their kids. They don't <laughs> you know talk talk to their coworkers about it because they don't feel comfortable enough explaining it. Um, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. Man, I hope folks listen to that. <laughs> you don't want a, a special uh, teaser rate on that HELOC if you sign up for a DDA today with an auto-sweep account. Uh, exactly. I mean, it's you probably have seen it. There's a drop quote I had in a blog. A group of employees that I had kept pulling out and putting out as a tweet. <laughs> that uh, that the banker is the least prepared, or, or the, is the I forgot what my own quote was, but it was the, the banker understands the client the least as far as like how to communicate. Like they they mm-hmm. know too much about the product to communicate it well to the to it's the. It's like going to see a doctor when they use specific medical terms that you have no idea what they mean. Like exactly. and you're just going, and I don't you know just shake your means. head. You're like you just like yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Give me some medicine. <laughs> is that terminal? Yeah. What does that mean? Like, again, without context, it, the statement was super offensive. But it's it, it it's exactly that. I've I talk to people all the time about viewing my role as a translator. The, this bank, the DDA HELOC, whatever arm over here, and then translating that to a client. And I guess I would tie that back to a statement you said earlier, Chikukure, that, or, or I'll paraphrase it, that if you don't have a diverse 
group of people to be translators, how can you expect that message to resonate to be com- to be communicated? Yeah. Um, and that again, that may be someone who had a um, low to moderate, you know, who grew up in a low to moderate income. I mean, nothing is worse. Again, regardless of you know, skin color, uh, cultural background, whatever, you add the layer that you talked about, and then you add on people who have never um, lived poor at all, <laughs> talking exactly. to um, talking to LMI folks that live in an LMI area, and it's it can get tone deaf real quick. And I'll throw in a funny aside. So I have a friend who's just finished up his uh, doctorate stuff in in Rochester, New York, and he was telling me how. Some of his teachers were coming in and was like, oh, you know, the future of marketing hospitals is this telemedicine. And, of course, he grew up in a neighborhood with me where we know that um, some people didn't have phones. <laughs> yeah. And like they didn't have access, of course, to not just cars and buses and stuff to get to a doctor if you actually need to get to one. But it's like, I don't have Internet, you know, things like that. And so understanding like the people you're seeking to serve, you may be giving them tools that to them are of no use. And They so could walk to a hospital eat easier than they could get online get online exactly. to go but it's this it's a lens thing well or just a, a blindness you have adopted a solution in your mind that now you're you're you know confirmation bias this is what people want because it's so cool yeah. that that they must want it it makes so much sense and i had a little aside just to josh you talked about the pendulum about to swing and so here's something i'm actually worried about um, what's going to happen is they're going to elevate people in title, but not in influence. And so you're yep. going to see a bunch of people automatically oh, overnight. You are now the senior vice, whatever, whatever <laughs> for this, ma'am, you're going to come up and we're now promoting you to this. And, so, Oh, we've hit our number. We now have 15% diversity above this, this management level. And, but yet they're not in the boardroom when, when tough decisions are being made or they're talking about, offering new solutions to customers and so in the end it it looks different on paper once you release these numbers publicly but nothing's actually changed and so that's kind of the thing i'm I'm worried about you know i think i think corporate america and and banks you know we have to have some hard conversations to go really way below from there i think the management trainee programs that have kind of weighed down due to economics and uh, i think those have to start back up because if you well you think you're going to hire the person in yeah yeah they said old or not old new thing that's well, there are college. There are people with master's degrees looking for jobs. They're on it like this, maybe, but you still got to train them. No, mm-hmm. I, I think a, maybe to use corp speak a robust training program, but that is a diverse training program that teaches the skills from the start. And so, that, so it's I look. It's a meritocracy, but baseball. It's like minor league baseball. You get the players in there and you train them up to be what you want them to be, the players' position you want. Yeah, plenty of people I, wash out. That, I don't know that why were great at uh, at a college or high school should, level. At bank should, and some do. I'm not painting yeah. a broad brush here, but I think absolutely training programs have to start accounting for this and should have been to begin with. But if they haven't, I think now's the now's the time. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's a couple of things that we you know we shifted from um, that. Um, you know, I think. You went through the old Wachovia, but it was pre-Wachovia, right? I was First Union. First Union, which was, I mean, Wachovia. It became Wachovia, became Wells Fargo. And, but they had a, a pretty vaunted. It's so so I will to, I will give First Union their credit. Their due. We had, it was called the Ready Talent Program, and there, there were 20 of us in it. And uh, it was, it was, First Union was forward thinking. It was very diverse. I think, uh, 
I was probably the minority in it for what I was. I'm not trying to say I was a minority. The pie was but, but split yeah, up a yeah, lot of ways. It was very even. And it was cool because they we all lived together and everyone mm. kind of shared the same stories. Not the same background, but like you in training, you shared the same experience with them. Mm-hmm. And I got some great friends, man. I moved to Philadelphia. Uh, they moved three of us up there, and uh, and two of them were black guys, and it was me. And like they were my they were my friends anyway. But it was cool because I don't know that I'd have crossed paths with those guys unless First yeah. Union would have put them in front of me. Well, and that's one thing uh, we've talked about the pendulum swing, and we've talked about some uh, some generalities. One generality I want to throw in is what I would call homogenous thinking. I've seen some some actions that I would would um, would call out as questionable. And I think I think one of the big problems right now is a lot of people are being too critical about even positive efforts. I don't know if you feel that way, Chikukare, but it's just like I would like to get your opinion. So a lot of corporations are coming and I am not speaking for the PR corporation machine because I would consider myself an expert at doing that stuff. But what is the thought of like the Nikes giving one hundred and forty million dollars and could give more? I'm, let's don't judge them on that. But like they're getting haze. Like I feel like anytime you put out a statement on social media, now you're getting picked on if you say it perfectly or if you say it. And like, what's your thought on cor- that's a good part for marketing? Is what's your thought on corporate communication when related to this issue? I think the hardest part has been coming across authentically. Um, you know, of course, coming and putting dollars out just to I guess show people you're a little bit serious that you have some teeth with it. But then you you hear statements from the NFL that you know was publicly opposing this years ago. You hear these companies that all right, we're going to give fifty thousand or a hundred thousand to this school, this university, this uh, program. But it just doesn't it doesn't come across authentically because I for me personally, I'm like you could have been doing this all along. What what about this moment now that you're jumping on to try to get positive PR from and spin it? So this is just the ad spin you haven't been using, and now you're throwing it. <laughs> into a, a pro black black lives matter pro pride you know whatever's going on at the moment to try to use it to, to benefit your company without actually benefiting the people you're hoping to help well and that's the question i want to ask you how would you coach to do the correct thing and i guess you can't change what just happened two seconds ago you can't change the past mm-hmm. but like how would you if a ceo of widget company fortune 500 said chikukare you know we don't want to look like we're just doing this for lip service. We want to be real, but how do we do it authentically? And I know that is a small needle to thread at this point in the game, but um, uh, if I've said that correctly, but uh, how would you coach them? If you were coaching um, you know, someone at the, at the C-suite level uh, that wanted your advice? I would say build something authentic to your company and the, the product you offer, the solution that you offer. So like I saw, for instance, like Google was talking about how they're going to reach out to create more diversity in technology to offer opportunities to like African Americans do that, which I think, all right, that makes sense for Google because this is what Google hires. This is the talent pool they need, and it's not something you can go pull off the street. So that comes off authentic. It is hard to give the words to say what genuineness looks like, but you can definitely tell when it's fake or when it's forced or when it's just for, for the momentary time. Um, I would say you don't have to be instantaneous. I feel like a lot of people are right now, like we were talking about emails a little bit before this, people just putting out the email, making sure they were right there with it when it was the COVID, they were making sure this is what we're doing for COVID. I'd say it's okay to be patient and take your time and actually come up with a solid plan. Because that to me would be all thing like, hey, we don't have an answer right now. We're going to go take this and put something together with a council. We're going to put together a group and we're going to come back with something solid. So don't just try to be first and say, hey, we did it. We, we got something out there. And I would point to, you know, like Michael Jordan gave $100 million over, or is giving $100 million over 10 years. This isn't, which I mean, 
look, t- t- $10 million a year is pretty instantaneous, can make instantaneous impacts, but but building meaningful um, meaningful programs, again, that address what I would say a, a systemic w- and systematic uh, issue like a Google, you know, being able to create jobs, create training, make it happen instead of just, I've got jobs out here or whatever. Um, I want to go back to what I was getting at about the homogenous approach. Because one of the other problematic things I saw, well, let me say one more thing about the other is, I do think it's good for those questions to be asked and for them, I don't want to say to be normalized, because that kind of means um, diluted too, but it's mm-hmm. normal for um, a guy with maybe 500 followers to challenge Nike and say, show me a picture, you're bored. Exactly. So that's a good place where somebody with maybe a, a small voice comparatively by number of followers can say, show me a picture, you're bored, or, or, and things like that. On the homogenous approach, there, there's a, a problematic bit of this discussion. I would think this applies to, quite frankly, how we approached COVID as a country. And, and, and I guess for me, this is sort of a gut check more than anything is where I was going with homogenous thought. Um, and, and approaching everything the same way everywhere. And I saw this thing that was, you know, um, sort of a, a checklist. I don't know how to even say this other than what the thing said. Like, you know, you've got some questions you need to ask yourself if you don't have, you know, black friends, this, that, and the other. But there are areas, you know, um, you get west of the Mississippi in, in, a, in an area of the country, and there's not much diversity. And I, I have to think there's... I don't know. Pick on the state of Nebraska. There's plenty of diversity in Nebraska, but places where there is there is decreased diversity or or, or whatever, whatever you'll say. I don't know. Whatever the statistics are, you know, America's a melting pot, but it's also not. You know, from sea to shining sea, it's not all the same. Any thoughts there, or is it just it is what it is? You know, hey, whatever. Um, you know, non-diverse state, you got to figure. Figure it out for yourself. I mean, there's much more diversity in people of color than 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 a black and white issue. But any thoughts there? Or is that just you know problematic thinking? Am I thinking about this too hard? I think that's a good a good concept. I mean, it, it's nuanced though. I believe what we're trying to develop in people is just empathy and compassion for the other human who's sitting across from you. And so, if you can do that, whether it's you know a woman, a person of color, <laughs> a person who came from a different state and moved here, if you can de- be developing that compassion and humanity for people, you'll be fine anywhere you go, no matter who you're dealing with. Yeah, and like you said, it's nuanced. I mean, again, I, just I've, I've been to some cities where some friends of mine live that it's weird for me growing up in, you know, in the south, it's like it, there's everybody looks the same and I'm just like what what's up here? And I know some of those people had to be nervous. Like, I've got the formula right here. Instagram told me, like, here's a, I can't meet some of these criteria. What am I, am I an awful person? Because I mean, I, earlier to your point, there's sort of this checkbox mentality that I check these things off, but I think b- both it's more nuanced and it's, it's deeper. I mean, it's, you know, shedding prejudice is, is the, the core of it. I mean, if, if you promote somebody because of skin color, but you still treat them like you did in whatever that may be in their role before. Then you didn't do it for the right reason. Yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up here is you have a an interesting name. I guess it's not boring like my name. <laughs> I've always wanted a different name because I'm named after a restroom. So, you know, the John. So <laughs> Appropriate. I, I probably have the worst name. but. Is it Nigerian? Is that correct? It is Nigerian. And what does it mean? I'm, I'm sure it has a meaning to it, correct? It does. So my name means God created, 
and me and my brothers all got these long names, but they all tie back to God and biblical things. So I'm, I'm leading you here because I, I was uh, in watching and reading about all the, again, nuanced stuff that's going on. There was a discussion about black and white names. I've been reading about that, especially in the hiring process. Has that ever been a struggle with your name? Now, look, I know you personally, you know, but on paper, has that ever been a question? Or has that ever been an issue uh, with such an interesting name and an awesome name? Because I wish I could change mine. <laughs> but, no, but to that point, has that ever been an issue? Because I've read about in the in the black community when names aren't, Anglo-sounding, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it. Uh, it seems to be something that's come up again as a discussion. I think, uh, is it Gladwell that writes about it or one of the... Gladwell. Gladwell writes about that in a study of hiring trends and, uh, and names on resumes and, and babies' names from birth and how they track where they went. It's an interesting study. Uh, just since you have a unique name, what's your perspective on that? It's interesting because I can only talk about the, the ones I've experienced with my name, not necessarily the ones that my name kept me away from. Because having yeah. Chikukure as a name, and especially it being so African, sometimes people expect a different person to walk in. Uh, when, when I submitted my resume, they're like, whoa, 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 you're, are you Chikukure? Like, you're not talking African like you're from Africa. Like, that's what they expect. Um, expect to look a little different. But, I mean, I completely grew up in the United States. But for background, are you se- are you second generation? I mean, are your parents from? So my dad came from Nigeria, moved to the U.S., and my mom was from New Orleans. Okay. Does she have a French accent? She gets it when she's around her family, but otherwise she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Does your does your father have an accent? He does. Like it does, I don't hear it as much anymore since you know, of course, I'm around him a lot. But when other people are, I'm like, oh, your dad. <laughs> So it's it's interesting. My point is that is not to, not to point out your father as much as just the different culture mm-hmm. you've been around. I mean, you your lens and what you share, I think, is way worth listening to. And so I'm I'm glad for one that to work with you and proud of you. But secondly, that that you came on the podcast today to talk about this because it's relevant. It can be uncomfortable for some people not to pick on the your what you said about your first bank when they said that, because this is a different deal. We're talking about actual cultures in work and cultures in humanity. But to bring it back, and because we're running up, up on our time limit here, because I'd love to have this discussion. I'm sure ABA will allow it in other formats, maybe even at a conference or something, because intentional and diversity hiring is a great uh, topic to talk about at conferences, especially with, with hiring managers. But what are three things to take away from this? Maybe at the end, if someone's listening to the Marketing Money podcast and they said, boy, I really, you know, I really want to do better because I think that's what a lot of people are saying. That's how do I do better? What are three three things you mentioned? Authenticity, you mentioned intentionality, but and I may have just stolen them from <laughs> you. But what are three things you could leave us with here? Because we try to leave our audience with three tacticalities to end the conversation with. The first would definitely be as you're creating and crafting this message, make sure it can reach all parts of your audience that you're aiming to to hit. And it's I know it's a big thing in the church. They talk about the the gospel should be able to be preached anywhere. And so it should kind of be the same with your messaging. It should be able to work for all parts of that, the diverse audience you have. The second one will be that genuineness, the genuineness to serve and actually do better um, and being intentional about whether it's bringing someone new onto the team and actually saying, hey, we're going to expand this pool of applicants. We're going to expand the, the way we reach out to vendors. And that's another one I think I talked about in my, in my article a little bit, like, Diverse vendors count count as well. Diverse agency staff members count as well. Like if you can somehow pull diversity into your world so you can see through multiple lenses. The third thing is probably just know you're going to make mistakes. We joked earlier, like there will be some missteps along this path as we try to move towards, you know, more equality and making sure everyone has a voice and that everyone is represented. 
be willing to make the mistakes instead of trying to do nothing and be perfect. Yeah, I think it's too I mean, wise. That's pretty wise right there. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, it's not that there's any sympathy or empathy towards this, but it's easier to not have this conversation because it is a minefield. You know, so many people have gotten called out just saying a thing. Your position as a black man may not be strong enough for somebody else. I say the wrong thing. One thing I've said over and over and over is there's nothing that communication won't fix, which sounds maybe naive at its root, but if we can sit down and and at least begin to talk about it, even if it becomes an argument, even if it becomes problematic, then um, hopefully if we can find it in us to um, to actually communicate about it, if we stumble and um, stub our toe a few times, hopefully we can trudge through it at least and come out on the other side with some better understanding. Yeah, agree. And and Kukray, just so you know, my mom listens to these podcasts, so I'm going to have to go back and apologize. I love my name. It's amazing. Thank <laughs> you for naming me after my grandfather, John, <laughs> the most average even name in the world. Hey, I even, it's so, look, your name's strong, dude. It's strong. I pick it up. People call me John. Look, I don't think anybody's ever called you Josh. <laughs> Listen, in high school, my best friend's name was Duncan, which is a little different name. And everywhere we go, when we wanted to meet girls or whatever, everyone would remember Duncan, but they'd never remember my name. It was just Duncan's <laughs> friends, you know, because it, it's, it's John. It was just. Oh, oh, John! What? What? But that's not yeah. have as much to do with your name. <laughs> yeah, not just a that's, forgettable guy. Just a forgettable guy. Just um, Mr. Beige. Mr. Mr. Just Beige Room. You know, whatever. So, well, to that point, now that I've hazed myself out of the show, Chukure, we appreciate you being on the show today, even if not in the way you said uncomfortable. Even if these are maybe more for for us uh, moving into a, a territory that we're not used to and doing better. So uh, we appreciate you being on the show today. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Chukure also is, is writing a, a column that will be that will go with the podcast. So if you've read it, you may have found the podcast that way, or you might have listened to the podcast and check out his column uh, surrounding similar areas uh, and, and advice on this on ABA uh, Bank Marketing Journal, ABA.com on their website. And uh, again, he Chukure serves on the board uh, for the marketing school he works uh, at Renaissance Bank and is over uh, the great market of Atlanta and Georgia for our bank and, and does a great job there. And so, again, I appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show. And, Josh, you can – I'll let you sign us off. Well, one thing we need to post is not only that, but um, as a, a, a great person to follow on social media, um, always has a positive voice. Um, sometimes it's uh, melodic as well as positive. <laughs> I'm um, – I suffer from um, curmudgeon, curmudgeonry and and um, I don't know. Um, so so Chikukri is a great balance to my um, get off my lawn kind of <laughs> natural mindset. Yeah. So I appreciate the voice that you have, and we'll put uh, his handles for Instagram, Twitter, whatever else you wants to put his um, Finsta on there too. You have a Finsta. I down. I try to try to keep it all out there. That's where you get emo. You're positive on your regular, <laughs> but you get emo on your on your <laughs> Anyway, um, um, appreciate your friendship. Appreciate you being on here, and um, keep Atlanta cool. We'll do. Until next time, you guys. I appreciate it. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.